Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Techniques, brought to you by Biotechniques, the show that brings you the latest from the frontiers of the life sciences straight from the people exploring them. I'm Aisha Aljanabi, the Assistant Editor at Biotechniques and your host for today's episode. I'll be chatting with Oscar Rodriguez, a board member at the Alliance for Artificial Intelligence and Healthcare, which is a non-profit educational organisation launched in 2019 to provide guidance specifically for AI and healthcare. We'll be talking about some of the ways AI and machine learning can be used in healthcare settings, the importance of having guidelines when doing so, and what the future could hold for this type of computer modelling. So, welcome Oscar, and thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Aisha. Thank you for having me. So firstly, what are some of the ways that AI can be used in healthcare? Before I answer your question, uh, we have to look at the, um, you know, what is a healthcare? As you look at the bigger picture, you know, healthcare is, um, is a mix of multiple components, right? Starting from life sciences companies, including pharma, biopharma, biotechs. That's one component of the overall ecosystem. Then you have healthcare providers. Healthcare providers include the hospital doctors, nurses, uh, non-profit organizations. We have seen recently over the last years the role of the COVID-19 non-profit organizations, uh, payer providers, academic institutions that are playing a big role as far as R&D, and also technology providers. You know how many times we have seen more and more uh, the role of companies like Amazon, you know, playing their role in healthcare, and obviously the uh, government uh, agencies. Uh, FDA, NIST, and so on. So that's that's the first part. Now, to answer your question is, uh, when people they look at AI, they always look at, oh, there is a robot, there is a, something that's going to replace the work that I'm doing. That's only, you know, one one lens. One of the typical use cases is, uh, uh, right now, hospitals, they're using uh, AI, ML, for, uh, to assist on surgeries. Uh, in the past, doctor maybe will take care of the entire surgery, Right now, there is a lot of uh, AI, email, and even robots helping the doctors for surgeries. The second example is, is uh, when you look at the cancer detection. So the, the example could be, in mind, if someone uh, wants to understand if someone has a skin cancer. So right now, there have uh, uh, companies that have been uh, models over the years to identify this, uh, the prevention of those uh, uh, skin cancer. So a doctor can go and take the biopsy of the skin as a, an individual. Uh, the the biopsy can is uh, collect all we collect all the data and then finally we process through them uh, the ML model. So that's another another example of uh, use case of AI ML in healthcare. Um, another example that has been uh, and Aisha, you have seen this probably over the last three years since COVID started, right? One is telehealthcare, telemedicine, uh, the use of remote assistance, uh, voice assistance. And the, the reality is uh, uh, right now, even uh, on 2022, we're still dealing with those uh, issues related to COVID. So uh, patients, they may not want to go and see the doctor. They may want to take um, their appointments from their homes. So the AI, the use of AI ML, it will help also one to orchestrate uh, the, the appointments. That's one use. The second one is some cases, uh, patients, they can just call an assistant. The assistant could be maybe Alexa, Google Home, and get the answer right away. Um, so that's another use case that I think is, uh, is evolving 
uh, will continue evolving over over the years. And the last one, uh, but not least, is uh, when we look at the the R and D uh, research and development in in pharma biopharmas. The biggest example for me is the world that uh, the many companies, uh, including Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, they did during the COVID nineteen pandemic, is is outstanding. So in mind, they were they were able to find uh, the vaccine. They were fi- they were able to research in the mothers. Uh, you know, a couple of years, uh, they usually could take 10 years or 20 years or more, right? That's another, uh, in my opinion, the, the use of uh, AI ML in uh, advancing R&D is, uh, is, is outstanding. Those are different areas. I remember being asked to be on a study to like uh, see what a COVID cough sounds like. And I think that was for AI. You could cough into your phone and then see if you have COVID or not. But I, uh, yeah. Well, it wasn't coughing exactly. at that time, so <laughs> I couldn't do the study. <laughs> um, so what are the current limitations of using AI in healthcare settings? So I think um, I will break it down in three areas. I, I think the first limitation is um, everyone talks about uh, customer 360. So if you translate the customer 360 in healthcare, is a patient 360. The reality is... Uh, is uh, there is no one single system that has all the data for one patient. And, and the challenge is how many times you go to a doctor uh, for an annual check or for a specific disease. And the, if you're a new patient, you have to, they need to collect data from you. Uh, if you go to a different doctor, they have to collect data from you again. And the, the reality is, is that this is an issue that's been there for a long, long time. And the challenge, there's a limitation that is also preventing uh, the advance of AI in healthcare. Uh, because if we don't have one single way, one central place to see all the data for the patients, it's going to be hard to, uh, to diagnose and to provide the right guidance for patients. So that's one limitation that I think is, uh, is uh, that I see in the industry. The second one may be more tied to uh, uh, the building the proper AI email models is the data. So data is everything when it comes to AI email model. And the main challenge that I think is many companies, they are building AI email models, but they are not really paying enough attention as far as the fact that the data maybe is uh, dispersed, the data is in silos, that they don't have a central location for all the data, uh, but they are building models. And the reality is, you know the rule, right? The garbage in, garbage out. Uh, the second uh, challenge and limitation that I see with the data, sometimes you're trying to build a model uh, that can help you to predict uh, something, but you may not have enough uh, data. So, and if you have maybe just a couple of hundred data records, you know, how do you ensure that this data is, uh, is gonna be the, the right representation for the, the model? Ideally, you would love to have you know, thousands uh, or millions of records as the input. So that's the, the amount of data is an, uh, another, another challenge that I think a limitation. And the third limitation that I think also, uh, Aisha, is, and this is kind of like a really hard for, for me, is uh, everyone is talking about AI, ML, and, but there is a lack of uh, education, lack of awareness as far as what exactly means AI in healthcare? Uh, obviously, marketing companies, they will try to sell their products um, by just putting the AI email label. Uh, but the reality is 
I have seen so many executives, so many leaders, so many even technical people that may not understand uh, the, um, the basics of AI models. So the uh, lack of awareness, lack of education is another limitation. And the last one is, uh, I will not call a, a limitation, but it's an opportunity, a challenge that we need to embrace. There are two uh, thoughts of school when it, build, when it comes to AI ML. The first school is focus on the ML techniques and, and not too much on the data. If you look at the papers that have been published out there, you will find many papers that are referring to different AI ML techniques. It could be supervised, unsupervised, it could be new models, but the, the reality is they don't really pay too much attention to the data. So that's one, one school that is driving the building those, those models. The second uh, uh, kind of school is uh, more data-driven. And this is something that has been emerging over the last you know, a few years, is with the second approach, you focus more on data and you make less emphasis on the models. And the idea behind this data-driven approach, you want to make sure you have the right quality of data, you want to make sure you have the right volume of the data, and then you pay less attention to the models. So, so those are the kind of like a challenges that I see um, that are happening out there. That sounds really great. And my next question is, uh, recently the Alliance for AI and Healthcare published a white paper on the life cycle of an AI system. And I was just wondering what a life cycle of an AI system is. Great question. You know, by definition, think about the life cycle is um, like a factory. Let's take the analogy as a factory, right? So you have the, the raw material that will go through the, uh, the factory steps. And then finally, you will produce a, a product, something that uh, uh, people that will buy it or they will use, right? So, but they have to go through multiple steps, right, to, uh, to use the product. So, is, if we apply this to AI ML, what is the ultimate goal is to have an AI ML model that will fulfill, that will address a use case. But in order to go and build the right model, you have to first to have the raw data, the raw material, and you have to go to multiple steps. The steps at a very high level is you need to identify you know, what is the data that you need. This is internal data, external data, that you need to bring into the system. Second one is how do you collect the data? How do you, what processing needs to happen on the data? Is there any kind of like um, uh, a quality control or that you need to have in place? Is there any security uh, compliance that you need to apply? And then finally, which is also um, very important is, is you have to look at how you are gonna organize the data. You know, is the data gonna be probably you heard those different uh, files in terms, right? You know, lake house, data lakes, data warehouse. So regardless is you need to have a framework to orchestrate and organize the data in a secure and then compliance manner. So once you have the data, uh, and then there is one step that needs to happen uh, for uh, to start before you start training the models, which is called the future engineering. That's when you start extracting what is from all the data that you have, what are the features that you need to start training your models, right? Once you train the model is, and then you have to validate the output of the models is uh, those models maybe could be really, could be supervised or unsupervised models. And if the model is, is ready, is, is tested, the final step is to deploy the models in a, 
in an environment. The, the basic example of this life cycle is in mind is you want to build voice assistant for, um, for you, right? You can build it. So you have to train the model and finally the model will be deploying a device like a, um, Alexa or, or something like that, okay? So that's the end-to-end process. Uh, hopefully this makes sense, uh, Asia. Yeah, so the life cycle is more about developing the AI model rather than how it's used. Is is I think it's is both, right? Think about from uh, is from the time that you are collecting the data, how you process data, how you organize the data, how you feed it into the models, how you train the model, uh, and how do you deploy the model? So it's uh, is uh, the end-to-end process. Do you, will you like continuously train models so they're never really finished? Do you get more data and then you kind of start the cycle again? It depends on the use case, right? We're talking about healthcare at the moment, right? Is the situation is we have to look at one use case and the use case we have, the data is going to come every every day, right? So maybe some uh, wearable device data. Mm-hmm. We're um, uh, handling a wearable device to patients. So the data will, is going to come every day. So therefore is we have to find a way to collect the data uh, organize the data and train the models as the models they come, right? At some point, the model will maybe will be stable, but initially probably you have to go through the entire life cycle. Another example, it could be more related to, uh, if you look at the voice assistants, which is awesome, right? I don't know if you have maybe Alexa or Google Home, but those devices also over time now they are trained to your voice, they, they understand uh, the environment. Um, and at some point, there is no need to collect the data. They're already, the only part that needs to be part of the life cycle is now is uh, refining the model, refining how they, you reply. So that's the beauty of the, uh, the life cycle. It could be the, all the steps can be, pro, uh, can be executed uh, again, or it could be just uh, one part of the overall uh, ecosystem. So yeah, I was wondering if you could summarize a few of the guidelines that you write in the white paper about the life cycle of AI and how it should be used. Let me, let me first explain you how do, do we uh, come up with the, the idea of this paper. Back when we started drafting this paper, or before even we start drafting the paper, so one of the questions uh, within the AIH, what are the standards? What are the guidelines that we need to build? And there was a lot of back and forth. Some people said, Let, we should focus on uh, regulatory and guidelines. Other uh, team members, they said, you, we should focus on data standards. Other ones, they focus on the email. So there was pretty diverse opinions. What we propose is to, rather than trying to just uh, you know, focus on one, is what if we take one step back and look at the bigger picture? What are the different components, companies they care when it comes to healthcare? And that's when we start mapping, okay, we need to have uh, you know, the data part. We need to have the uh, regulatory part. We need to have the email standards. That's why we come up with the ideas. Okay, we have to think about the, the bigger picture of the AI system in healthcare. That was the first step, to map this in a, in a framework. The second step, which is awesome, it was like very interesting, is uh, this is huge, right? How do we bring the right people? How do we start building? Because we, wanna, we need to have this uh, up and running pretty soon. So what we did is start identifying is... Uh, who were the right people, the right Sobinmar experts that could help us to bring the right content. That's why we start dividing and conquer the work, right? That was the second step. And then the third step is, is once the, uh, each uh, team member, they start bringing their, their content, their ideas, we start 
putting all this together in one single framework. And the idea was to have standards for you know, what data, what is the minimum uh, uh, guidelines or data that we need on the paper? One is, is we need to have at least a definition for each of those components, a definition that can be shared across all the different members, AIH and beyond. The second part, the second ask was, is to bring an example. A problem you know, Aisha, right? Is uh, you can have a great definition, but if you don't have an example, sometimes it's really hard to understand uh, uh, the, the meaning behind. And the third part was, uh, as part of the exercise, is how do you connect that component with every other uh, parts of the overall ecosystem? That was the minimum that we asked, right? And the final step, that's when we come over the first draft of the paper, uh, start looking is, so who could be the, the right external stakeholders that can help us to validate the content? We have to bring some of the top experts. And that's when we brought some of the experts from uh, one uh, participant from uh, Amazon Web Services. We brought another one, also uh, an expert from, uh, that is a YouTube uh, influencer on the machine learning and so on, right? So the idea was bring uh, fresh eyes that can help us to validate the content. Um, so that's, that was the process. As far as the, the, your question, what are the, the guidelines? So the, the guidelines is to me, think about the, the main motivation for us is if you look at the, how many companies are trying to build AI ML systems, healthcare is, uh, is a lot. And fundamental for us, we wanted first to give it a framework that anyone, regardless whether it's a big company, small company, they can use as a baseline to build an AI system, right? Regardless whether you're an expert or not. That was the first intention of this guideline. The second one is uh, for those companies, those individuals also to provide feedback back to uh, AI. As far as, hey, we have many situations where companies, they reach out to us and say, this is great, but you know, you are missing this particular component, right? What about what about what is the uh, how blockchain could interact with this and that, right? So this, you know, uh, there was great part of the guidelines. Uh, the third um, also motivation for the guidelines is, as you probably as you know, is technology AI ML are are evolving, and will keep evolving. Tomorrow probably maybe it's not called AI or ML, uh, but at least we wanted to have a foundation so that. When the time comes, we have to make a, uh, changes. So this, this document can be the, uh, the foundation. I'm not expecting to have this document, you know, just uh, uh, one release. We're expecting to have this document live and keep evolving as, as the science and technology and the more important, the, the healthcare evolves uh, over time. Great, thank you. And do you think some of these guidelines could be applicable to AI outside of healthcare? I'm glad that you asked the question. Is we designed this to to be applicable to both? So is uh, overly we we're focused was healthcare, but is when we look at the overall guidelines, the principles, those principles can be applied also to other industries like uh, retail, financial services, and so on. Right? Overly, there are things that will be very specific very narrow to healthcare, especially when it comes to data privacy, um, uh, uh, security, uh, compliance, right? But for the most part, the overall framework can be reused. Like a handy guidebook. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, uh, why is it important to have these type of guidelines for AI and healthcare? 
you think about this like uh, the um, uh, again the, I love the analogies right but in the <laughs> think about is you in mind that there is a playground and for kids and uh, probably it happened to me when uh, my son was a uh, was a kid right so you can go to the playground and you can have many kids but uh, is there is no any uh, rules any guidelines probably kids they can you know stay there for 24 hours Probably they can uh, jump, they can fight, they can do a lot of things, right? But it's, as soon as you can put some guidelines and the guidelines could be is, uh, the playground will be open from 10 to uh, 4 o'clock is you are not allowed to bring the uh, food so and so on. So this, all those guidelines will help uh, for the kids to uh, rationalize and their parents as well is what are the rules to play? And those rules probably is not just for this the same playground. It could, could apply to all the playground, playgrounds and across one state, across one country. If we apply the same, is the main the main rationale behind these guidelines is uh, there is different ways how companies they are building AI ML models. Uh, from our point of view, from AI's point of view, they have to be a standard, and there is a standard. It doesn't mean that a company they need to follow step by step, but the idea is they are able to understand the baseline, the life cycle, those guidelines, so they can be more successful and they can implement it faster. I can tell you there was a, there is a company, the pretty big pharma company that is part of AIH. So they love the paper to the point that uh, they asked me to be part of the, to be one of the speakers across the, the company. They want me to also uh, see if we can, they can use, the materials, the paper to educate internal employees. That's important. And, and the last part, which is to me, what is very important is we need to look back at what was the, the motivation to build the paper. The next step, the life cycle is only one step, right? There is more step that I will explain later on. Yeah, that analogy is great with the playground. I feel like I'm not involved in AI, but I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a kid in a playground. I know how that feels. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so in the white paper, you use a lot of case studies that focus on COVID-19. And I was wondering why you chose to focus on these as examples. Great question again. The main the rationale is, uh, in my opinion, is we have to look at the, the pandemic. COVID-19 is just one of uh, hopefully not too many pandemics that will happen, <laughs> right? The, the rationale was when we started looking at this, that was the time where, you know, COVID-19 was a peak and we were trying to figure out how AI can help the industry, how AI could also help to prepare, uh, build awareness as far as what is the value of AI ML. Because uh, the most important part is not look at what, what happened in the past, but also we have to, if we can find a way as an organization to help the community to be prepared for the next pandemic and do a better job. So that's that was the, the rationale. And, and how do you think the pandemic has changed the way we use AI in healthcare? If you look at before, uh, you know, before COVID-19, right, you're going to be, a, you know, why Oscar is using so many analogies, right? For, you know, <laughs> it's like a, when, 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 you're, when you're driving, right, and you're driving, let's say, from, uh, you know, by, in the highway, right? The highway is, and you have a car, and then, um, and then you know that the uh, speed limit is, uh, let's say, 70 miles per hour, right? But you're conservative, you're careful, and probably, you know, you you have been driving the same highway for 10 years for you know 60 miles per hour, and that's that's what I think it, it happened during the before COVID-19, right? People we were driving at velocity, we were thinking about that there was one only way to get things done. 
when the pandemic happened, it's, it disrupted entire, not just the healthcare, all the industries. And, uh, and now after COVID-19, even the entire, all the industries uh, are being disrupted. And the reason I'm bringing this is the a pandemic has disrupted not just AI, ML, is everything from my point of view, right? But is when we look at the AI ML one is uh, I think companies now they're spending more time and they're paying attention more on the AI ML because now they realize there is a value. Um, again, we spoke about examples of telemedicine, telehealthcare, and this is going to keep evolving. Companies, when you are, it's not just a telecommunication companies, they are collecting data to understand more uh, how the patient is uh, is behaving. How can we uh, improve the patient 360 view that we discussed? Other example is uh, how it has been affecting, right? If you look at the many companies, especially uh, pharma companies, also they are focusing, they're trying to do more uh, virtual uh, clinical trials. So uh, in mine, in, in the past was you, you as a patient, you have to go to the clinical and uh, if you want to you want to be in a clinical trial. Now is we're moving to more virtual clinical trials. In that mode, also there is more data that uh, companies they want to collect, right? They want to maybe have a wearable device. They maybe want to have a, a Fitbit. They may want to have other things uh, across the patient. And all those these is uh, devices, uh, biomarkers that are maybe around the patient. All those also are somehow they have built some AI ML capabilities behind the scenes, right? That's that's what I think is, uh, that has been evolving, right? Yeah, and you're right. I think the pandemic has changed absolutely everything. <laughs> I feel yeah. like a different person. Yeah, and the, on the other part that also I think is, is critical is AI in healthcare. I think is in, in the bigger picture is uh, emerging technologies are, are evolving and they will keep evolving, especially is when we look at the, the patient, we have to do whatever it takes to help patients. There are many patients that are suffering. And if we as a community, we can put our best effort to help them, is, uh, it will pay back in the, in, in the long run. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so what do you think is next for AI and healthcare? So I think the, um, you know, what I look at AI in healthcare, and, you know, I'm also looking back at the, your questions as far as the limitations and, and so on, right? One, from my point of view, what is next or what I think is, is coming up? One is uh, the healthcare industry as an ecosystem as a whole. We have to find a way to build the re- whatever it takes to have the patient 360 is, is uh, companies, they don't understand you know, all the data, what is uh, across the, the patients. Is, in my opinion, many things will not be successful over time, right? So patients is, uh, is the most critical asset, right? So whatever it requires to do, uh, to do the proper uh, patient 360 is gonna be a priority uh, in the long run. The second thing that I, you're going to see more and more, and probably we have seen this applying to other industries like uh, uh, fintech, financial services, uh, you have seen a lot of momentum around blockchain, where the idea is, you know, how can you go from uh, centralized to decentralized? And what I will see in the healthcare, blockchain is going to start uh, picking up pretty soon. And the rationale is uh, patients over time, I feel the patients, they're going to be the owners of the data. 
in the, and the only way for the patients to have the full ownership of the, their healthcare data is by using technologies like a blockchain. Uh, so that means now the entire, it could be that some of the um, healthcare organizations, companies, they may have to, they will maybe be disrupted by the use of blockchain. Um, uh, so that's, that's something that I think is, uh, is coming up. And the third part, which is where I think AIH is gonna play a pretty big role, is uh, we have to look at the, uh, is a look at the entire life cycle that we describe in the paper. You know, we have to look at, you know, from all the different components, what are the main uh, priorities for for the companies, and uh, and find a way to also start building those as a standards that can be applied, that can be enforced across all the healthcare companies. Think about like as a standard, like a Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is on a standard, right? So that if you go, if you're connecting from your home, you go to the office, no matter what, if you want to be connected to the internet, you have to use Wi-Fi, right? That's a, and there is no, the, you cannot say, no, I have my own standard. I have to, <laughs> why, you know, uh, you know, Wi-Fi too for Aisha, right? That's, isn't it? So that's, so if we apply the same concept, we have to really, in my opinion, this is going to be the harder, uh, the hardest part for for uh, the communities. How can we take some of those standards and make it enforce them across all the companies? And probably this needs to start with the big pharma companies, big healthcare organizations, get the support from the government. And if we can just get at least one standard, I'm not asking for two or ten, right? at least one, that would be a major milestone that I think uh, that will help everyone across the board, right? Because right, the, the reality is there is no standards uh, yet uh, that can be enforced across uh, companies. Loads to look forward to. And yeah, not my own Wi-Fi, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on to today's podcast. All of your analogies were incredible. And I feel like I have come away understanding way more about AI than I did before. Absolutely. It's had been a pleasure and great questions. And uh, looking forward to be back in the, this show uh, soon. Definitely. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Talking Techniques, check out the rest of our episodes on the podcast section of our website. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>